Let's prepare our hearts and minds to go uh, in the Word this morning. Uh, I've been in the book of Matthew um, talking about these parables of Jesus, and today I want to pick this one up a little bit and share a little bit uh, more with you as we kind of dig deeper into the Word and progress to where God would have us to be. Now, by way of just moving into the text this morning, I want you to hear me say as we kind of begin by way of introduction that God has a, the word I'm going to use is a missional approach to ministry. And I don't know if you know what that means, but what I, what I mean by that is that God has intentional purpose and, agen- and, and an agenda behind everything he does in the earth realm. He's not haphazard. He's not accidental. Nothing doesn't happen by happenstance with God. He's very intentional in everything that he does. And the goal of God is, is to seek and to save that which was lost and to bring the world into a relationship with him. So the purpose for me being here, the purpose for you being here is to be on mission with God in reaching the world and reconciling the world and bringing them into a relationship with him. The problem as I see it is that some of us have been saved for so long that we have forgotten where we came from. Come on, y'all say amen. I mean, and, 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 and I don't want to offend nobody or find any person, but sometimes we get beyond ourselves and we get too holy and we forget that at one point in time, we too were sinners. Are you with me? And then we, we, look down our no, at, uh, we look down our nose at individuals that might still be trapped in certain things, that might still be caught in certain failures, and we forget the truth that God has left us in the earth to help them come through what, what they're going through. I'm learning more and more if the church would be more transparent um, with their testimonies of deliverance, we would have more people come to a relationship with God. But the challenge is, the world is afraid to come because here's what they say, I'm not like them. I'm not holy like that. I'm not sinless like that. Well, we ought to get to the place where we too can say, such were some of us. (laughs) Are you with me? And I think if we're a little more transparent, we would see what God wants to do and how he moves in the earth realm. That's Jesus' purpose for coming to the earth. Matter of fact, Exodus chapter 8 verse 1 puts it this way. And when God um, empowered Moses to go to Pharaoh, he said to him, go to Pharaoh and say to him, let my people go. And the verse doesn't stop there. It says, that they may serve me. Meaning that the reason God saves us is so that we can work with him in what he's doing. He comes to the earth, and then we find ourselves in the New Testament where Jesus comes to the earth realm, and he's going around preaching and teaching and doing what he does to bring people into a relationship with him. The problem, however, is as Jesus speaks and as he teaches and as he communicates, the listeners have a hard time understanding him and the stubbornness of the scribes and the Pharisees are trying to block him from doing what God called him to do. So last week, we begin this this teaching series where we said he switches mode and as opposed to speaking to people in just regular everyday language that they can understand, he starts using what's known as parables to commute to them, communicate to them. Now, here's what you need to know about parables in case you missed last week. Parables hide the truth from the law, I mean, from the lost, but reveals the truth to the saint. Come on, say amen. It hides the truth from the lost, but it reveals the truth to the saint. So what that means is that to truly understand a parable or the speaker that's speaking the parable, we need to be in relationship with the speaker. So as we 
Look at this text today. We find Jesus speaking to the people in parables, but because his disciples were so young in their relationship with him, they have a hard time understanding what he's saying. And might I add, this parable that's in front of us, it's not the easiest thing to understand. So I just want to take a moment just to see if I can flesh it out to challenge us to get to where God would have us to be. So open your Bibles and read with me um, Matthew 13, 24. I want to read it, then I want to read it, its explanation, and then we're going to talk through it to hear what God is saying. If you're in verse 24, say amen. amen. Come on, one more time. Say amen if you're there. Amen. 24 says, he put another parable before them, saying, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed seed in his field. But uh, uh, Good seed, thank you, thank you, thank you, in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore fruit, then the weeds appeared also. And the servant of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? He said to them, an enemy has done this. So the servant said to him, then do you want us to go and gather them? And he said, no, lest in gathering the, root, the weeds, you root up the wheat along with them. Thirty says, let them both grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time, I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. Now jump all the way down to verse 36. Let me read this. Um, here's the disciple. The disciple heard this, and like me and like you, we have a hard time understanding what it's saying. DJ said the same thing to me this morning. I, I don't understand this. So here's Jesus' explanation. Then he left the crowd and went into his house, and his disciples came to him saying, Explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. He answered, The one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed is the sons of the kingdom. Then it says, the weeds are the sons of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are angels. So just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom, all causes of sin and all lawbreakers, and throw them into the fiery furnace in that place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Verse 43 says, Then the righteous will shine like the sun and the wind in the kingdom of their father. And then he adds this phrase, He who has an ear, let him hear. In other words, if you can understand this, track with me. If you can't get it, you'll miss it. So here's what I want to do. I, I took a moment to, to, to put these two things together to see if I can re-communicate it in English to make a good starting point so you can walk through this with me. Here's my attempt at combining the parable and its meaning. He put another parable before them, 24 says, saying, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to the Son of Man, who is Jesus, who sowed the sons of his kingdom, Christians, into the world. Let me pause there. So, verse 24 says, the kingdom of God could look like Jesus putting Christians into the world. You guys are tracking with me? 
25 says, but while his men were sleeping, the devil came and sowed the sons of the evil one, or the devil, among the sons of the kingdom, and in parentheses, the Christians, and went away. Jesus puts Christians in the world, and here's the thing I want you to hear. And the devil also comes, and he put sinners in the world. You guys are with me? Are we on the same page so far? Say amen if you're here. 26 says, so when the sons of the kingdom grew, wow, meaning the Christians as they grew, and began producing fruit, the sons of the evil one, the unsaved, they produced, I put bad fruit among them, and started, based on last week's sermon, choking them. This is heavy. The church, not the church, Christians start growing and producing fruit. Unsaved people grow, and they produce fruit too. You kind of get, but here's the thing this is trying to hint at. One is influencing the other. You guys are with me? Okay, let's go. Come on, say amen if you're here so I can know you're here. Now look at the next one, verse 27. It says this. And the servants of Christ prayed to him and asked him, Master, did you not plant your sons or the Christians in the world? What happened? Or how then did the sons of the evil one or the unsaved get mixed up with them? 28. And he said to them, the devil has done this. So the servant said to him, do you want us to go and to remove them from their midst? This is heavy. This is heaven. This is the first thing we want to do. Whenever we encounter a sinner and a Christian, we want to take out the sinner. Come on, y'all. Right? Do you want us to deal with them? Here's Jesus' response, 29. But he said, no. Lest in gathering the unsaved, you root up the Christians along with them. And then here is the last thing. Let them both grow together until the end of the age or the rapture. And at the rapture, he says, I, 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 I will tell the angels to gather the unsaved first and bind them to be sent to hell to be burned. Oh, that's harsh. But gather the Christians to live with me forever. And the church says, Amen. now, now, hang on, hang on. Let's walk through this. I kind of put a theme together because I want us to understand this. So here, if you were to ask me, What's the big idea of this passage? It would be this. The righteous should influence the wicked to change so God allows them both to coexist in the world and in the end he will separate them. And so I ask the question, which one are you? Turn to neighbor and say, neighbor, who are you? Yeah, come on to the other neighbor. Say, other neighbor. Say, who are you? Amen. Come on, y'all smile. Make it look like you're happy or something. <laughs> you know, yeah. That's the whole point to try to get us to, 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 to lock in. I want to look at this. Because the goal of God is that we coexist um, in the world. And in the end, it says he will separate them. Four things I want to look at with this parable because the disciples had a hard time understanding what it meant. And I want us to look at this to see if we can lock into what it says. So here's the first point I want you to hear me say, and I'm going to explain this briefly. God's goal, or God permits, God's heart, is that the righteous and the wicked coexist in the earth. And I believe he's communicating that with the parable. Okay? Now, I have to explain this because I did the same thing first service. I don't want nobody leaving here saying that pastor said, I can go shack up with an unsafe person. Coexist doesn't mean that. Come on, y'all. Uh, let's be clear, okay? 
It doesn't mean, you know, living in a sinful situation. But what he is saying, his expectation is that, and we're going to see this in these two verses, is that I have sinners and I have saints, and they have to learn to live together in the world because I have a missional agenda. Don't miss that. I have a missional agenda. So let's look at the text. Look at verse 24. So here's what he says. He put together a parable before them saying, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But 25 says, but while his men were sleeping, the enemy came and they sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, it says the weeds appear, appeared also. Now I need to explain what's really happening here to you. In Palestine, back in the day and age, um, what would happen agriculturally is you would have these farmers that would be competing with each other for harvest. So a particular farmer would go out and he would plant a vineyard and, and he would plant wheat in his vineyard. And then when he went to bed at night, a rival farmer or an enemy of that particular farmer who wants to taint the grain of his competition would go in and he would plant these things known as the darnel seed or this, this tear. Some of your translations said tear. Or, or weeds in the midst of a person's garden. Now, here's what you need to know about the, the plant that they would refer to as the Darnell plant. At the onset, when they first start to germinate, it is extremely difficult to tell the difference between the two because they had a similar shape, a similar form, a similar pattern. The plants look identical. But the design of the Darnell was that it, it contained some poisonous, attributes to it such that if it's allowed to continue to grow with the wheat, then when you harvest them together, the Darnell plant, because of its poisonous nature, could end up tainting the, the wheat and end up ruining an entire crop that was planted in the field. I'm hoping you not miss this. So, so you, you, you see why at the end Jesus says, he who hath an ear let him hear what's being said because it may seem as if he's talking on the surface, but he's saying some, some heavy truths that he wants these people to understand that only them could understand and only those who had a relationship could get the meaning because he was really trying to communicate with them. So he's saying a farmer goes out, he plants these two things, and, and at, the beginning, at the beginning of the germination process, they look alike. Oh, I wish I had somebody here. But, but the problem with these two things, even though they look alike, one is infected or poisonous and the other is not. But it's hard to distinguish them at the beginning. Come on, he who has an ear, say amen this morning if you're hearing me. Because what he's really trying to get us to understand is that the kingdom of heaven, and, and, and if you lock into what I was teaching last week, at the beginning of the salvation process, they look alike. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but, but one, one, one is, is infectious and the other is good. Come on. One is good seed and one is bad seed. And I'm getting ahead of myself, but it's hard to distinguish them. But at the beginning, they look alike. Come on, are you hearing me? Now, the reason I want to point that out, and I'm going to move on to my second point, is I need you to understand with me that God's goal is that the sinner and the saint coexist in the earth. Let me tell you what I mean by that. God's design is not that Christians get saved 
and live in an isolated community where they only feed themselves or feed off of themselves, his intent that we be in the world but not what? Yeah, there you go. His, his goal is not that we get saved and live only in the church because folk that are in the church are already saved. I need somebody to say amen to me. But his goal is that we get our heart to him and we give a relationship with him. And he brought us out so we can go back in. So here's the thing. He expects that on the job it not be only Christians. He want to see Christians mixed in with sinners. I'm going to explain this in a little while. On the playground, he wants to see Christians mixed in with sinners. Come on. I, even in church, this is what it should really look like. Christians mixed in with sinners. If all you've got is a bunch of Christians coming together to worship, but no sinners, who's getting saved? Oh, talk to me this morning. You see what I'm saying? If we live in neighborhoods that's primarily Christians, who are we evangelizing? Who are we bringing to a relationship with God? Understand with me, this is the problem the scribes and the Pharisees had with Jesus when he came to the earth. Here's what they said about him. This man eats with sinners. This man sits with the publicans. Here's what he said to them. The Son of Man didn't come for the, for the well, but for the sick and to bring sinners to repentance. We must understand that he modeled the fact, I came into the earth for the lost. There's a cohabitation that must take place because of the missional approach of God. His design for me, his design for you, his design for us as believers that he's brought us out, there's a going back in that must take place. Are you hearing me? There's a going back in that's mu that must take place. Repeat that to me. Say self. I must go back in. Come on, say it again. Say self. I must go back in. Now here's what you need to know about going back in. Evil will exist in the world until Christ returns for his church. This world going to be sick a long, 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 long time. <laughs> Evil will exist in the world until Christ returns for his church. Let me, let me read this and then I'll explain it to you and then we'll move on. So lock into this. Look at what it says. Verse 29, 27, his servants came to the master of the house. They came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? And he said to them, and who? Enemy. Come on, come on. He said what? An enemy. An enemy does this. Back up to verse 25. Verse 25 says, but while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and did what? sowed seeds among the wheat and went away. Now this, 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 as I read that, I couldn't help but reflect back on, on, on the, the story of the Garden of Eden where God planted a garden in the book of Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2. And in the planting of this garden, God sowed a seed in the garden. And he placed Adam and he placed Eve in the garden. And both of these individuals had good relationship with him. They were good seed. Come on, say Amen. They were good seed in God's garden. Here's what Jesus says in his parable. The problem was not while he was awake. The problem with the two seeds going together is that 
while he was sleeping, what happens? An enemy comes, and what does he do? He sowed good seed. Now, the reason I love this connection with the Garden of Eden, because every time Adam and Eve in the cool of, day, of the day was walking with God and had fellowship with God, the enemy was not there. But when I look, when I look at Peter, let me, let me kind of hit this real quick. I want you all to see this because you need to know that Satan is at work in the world. So when I look at Peter, here's what it says. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, like a what? Roaring lion is going around looking to sow seeds of discord. He's looking to sow the Darnell plant in the midst of your good seed. Come on, I want you all to hear me. Be careful because the, Jesus went out and he planted good seed, but, but, but it's in the sleeping time. I need to take a minute with that because y'all need to hear me say that whenever we're prayed up, everything is all right. When we're in worship, everything is all right. Come on. But, but it's when we pause and it's when we take a break. Here is that enemy. Here he is. The text says in Peter, he's prowling, right? So while you're in prayer, he's just sitting there in attack mode saying, uh-huh, stop. Yeah, he's waiting, he's waiting. When you're in worship, he's saying, okay, that's going to end. Come on now. When you're reading your word, he's saying, that's going to end. And then it's the moment that you stop, he shows up. Come on now. It's in the sleeping that he shows up. When we let our guards down, he shows up and he sows this crazy seed. You don't believe me? You wonder why it is that while we're in church, we rarely ever sin, but the moment we hit the parking lot... Oh, I need a witness or two because he's sitting out there opening the doors of your car for you, waiting for you to come in because he's like a roaring lion. Come on. He's sitting at home with the remote control, and the moment you sit down, you done with that worship stuff here, baby, and, and don't look at the good stuff. Come on. The moment you go behind your computer, he's got the screen already set because he's a roaring lion looking for someone to devour, and he wants to sow seeds among the wheat. And that's what he does. That's what he does. So he, he, he has work at work in the world. And, and the sad news is God leaves him. Come on, y'all. I wish I had somebody that said, why, Lord? Come on. He, he leaves him. He, he leaves him. Yeah, he leaves him in, in the world. So, so lock into this, this next thing, and then I'm going to press through. So evil will flourish until Christ returns. It ain't going nowhere. It ain't going nowhere, right? And his intent is that we live along with this thing, but he has missional purpose, so one ought to outdo the other. I wish I had somebody. Let me, let me hurry on. So this is what I learned. It's difficult to distinguish between the righteous and the wicked. Don't fool yourself into thinking it's easy because God didn't call you to be fruit inspectors. Nor did he call me to be a fruit inspector. Lest I get ahead myself, the problem with us is we want to be like the disciples and rooting up stuff that we're not authorized to root up. Come, come on, talk to me. Going off on stuff we have no business going off on. Don't miss the text. Let's read with me. Look at what the text says very, very carefully him. It says here, um, so the servant, 28b, said to him, do you want us to go and gather them? But notice what he says. 
know, lest in gathering the weeds, you root up the wheat along what? I don't miss that. Come on, come on, come on. You know, and here's what I said to you about the Darnell plants, right? And the weeds. At birth, I mean at germination, when they start to prout, they both look identical. And if you don't give them time to develop who they're going to be, you mess around and pull the wrong one. And so, so here's his disciples. I see Darnell in the midst of the wheat. You want us to go deal with that? And Jesus said, no, 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 leave him because you might pull the wrong one. Y'all still missed it. I see a Christian praying, and I see another one doing marijuana. Do you want me to deal with the marijuana one? No, no, you might get the wrong one. I see, I see, come on, talk to me. I see one praying, and I see another one not praying. Do you want me to go get the one that's not praying? No, you might get the wrong one. Right? Because we have fooled ourselves into positioning ourselves in the place of God and feel our role is to go pull up fruits and pull up weeds so the tear, come on, the tear can go. And God is very, very clear. Leave them alone. It's not your job. Here's what you need to know about farming in Palestine. The Darnell plant, when it's first placed in the ground, particularly at the same time with the wheat, the Darnell plant, because it's, it's a tear, some of your translation says, and because it's just that weed, it grows extremely fast. So the thing goes in the ground, and its roots will develop a lot faster. Remember last week I talked about that layer underneath the limestone? It'll grow deep, and it'll grow fast, and if they're together, the roots of the Darnell will wrap around the wheat, and Jesus is trying to say, if you pull the darnel up and the wheat isn't strong enough, you'll pull the wheat up. Yeah, you kind of get what I'm saying? And, and my concern is the church has lost a lot of wheat because of folk pulling up darnel too quick. Come on, y'all. Come on. I want y'all to hear me say this because here's what happens. The roots of the darnel will wrap around the roots of the wheat, and that thing will have a stronghold around it. And if you're trying to deal with the darnel, you'll mess around and kill the wheat. Somebody in here has been doing something for so long, come on, that the thing has taken root, and you're trying to deal with the thing, and you wonder we can't stay strong because we're trying to pull the wheat out when God is saying, leave it alone, let them grow together. Heavy stuff. Here's what happens. Here's what happens. In time, in time, the Darnell has this stronghold, and it's there when it's growing. But then as the one that gets the attention, the wheat, digging and fertilizing, as it starts to grow, it, it grows strong, and it outgrows the Darnell. Come on. And it sets itself free as it starts to grow. And you know this if you've ever planted a garden. Over time, the wheat or the weed starts to die when the sun comes up because the design of the weed, I mean, the, the, the weed, yeah, is not to outlive the wheat. Are oh, you hearing me? But I want you to hear me say this. As the wheat grows stronger, its roots get bigger. 
and it sets itself free. Oh, somebody going to get this. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying because lock into this. There used to be a time when something had you bound. But as you grew stronger in the Lord, you're able, yeah, to set free from the thing. And God is saying, don't pull it too quick because you might pull what I've planted with it. Now hear me, church, don't fool yourself into thinking where you are today, you've always been. There used to be a time when something had you bound. Come on, if I'm honest with myself, who you're looking at today is not the same person that I was yesterday because yesterday something had me bound. But as I stayed focused in the Lord, my roots got stronger and I started growing. And in time, in the sweet by and by, the plant that you see today is not the weed that had me locked in yesterday. Oh, by the way, I'm not talking about marijuana. I'm Come on, I want y'all to hear me. But God has delivered and he's done the same thing for you. But we miss that. We want to be weed pullers. You need to stop that. You need to stop that. You need to stop that. God said, let them grow. I got this. You just dig and fertilize. You just water. You just, come on now, put water around it and keep putting them in the Word and keep exposing them to the Word and keep teaching them and let them, like the Bible says in Timothy, study to show themselves approved unto God, a work person that need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the truth over time. That prowling lion will never catch them in sleeping mode because they'll be alert the whole time. Come on, come on, say amen if you're hearing me this morning. I want you to hear me say that. So it's difficult to distinguish, but in the end, God does the separation. Are you hearing me this morning? So here's the last thing I want you all to understand. God separates the wicked from the righteous, not us. Important point. When I was lost, God did not approach me like this. Oh, you weed. You sinner, you smelly, good-for-nothing whoremonger. That's what we do. You need to put that down. You need to stop that. You need to whatever. Here's what he did. Felix, I love you. I died for you. Come on, God said, I gave my son so I can have a relationship with you. He approached me from a posture of love. And even though the Darnell Bush had me, His love grew me strong to separate me from that thing. I'm saying this to say that. Our goal is not to inspect fruit, but to love the fruit. I mean, the the, the thing that's wrapped up with the weed into relationship with God so it can outgrow the thing that has it bound. Church needs to stop being so critical. Oh, you sinner. Oh, you liar. Oh, you this. Oh, you that. Stop the madness. Start telling people God loves them. The reason the church, the world does not want to coexist with the church is because we've placed ourselves in a position we ought not be in. We're called to love the lost. And if you would love them, this place would be filled. The kingdom would be filled. Stop condemning and be like God. He wants us to live side by side so when they see us, they see God. Last I checked, Scripture still says God is spirit. And they that worship him must worship him how? 
And the dominant reason God wants us to coexist in the world with the saints, so when they look at us, they see God. Because he lives in us. Are you with me? I'm done, but here's this last illustration. In the Old Testament, God chose the nation of Israel, and he placed them in the world. And he used them to be the vehicle through which he would bring his son into the earth realm. The dominant reason he did that with them is so when the pagans look in, they would see a people group who has a God that have a relationship with them. A God who loves them. A God who continually forgives them for their sin. A God who provides for them. A God who responds to their worship. A God who, who makes sure that defeats their enemies for them. And when the world would say, look in and say, what kind of God you serve? They would say, I am glad you asked. If the world that should be coexisting with us don't see us as a call separated people, they're hopeless. So God leaves us in the earth to be his representative. And he said, let them coexist together. And in the end, I'm going to do the separating. Are you with me? Leave the separation to God. Come on, I want you all to hear me this morning. Just be the voice of God. Be the mouthpieces of God. And continue to grow and let God be God in your life. Bow your heads with me this morning. Amen. God, you're wonderful. You're gracious. These parables are something else, Lord. The reason you say he did half an ear, let him hear, is because it's truth. I like the phrase in a capsule that's released only to those who are ready to hear. So if there's someone here today that is bound with a Darnell weed around them, draw them, God. Bring them in, bring them in, bring them in, bring them in. And if there's some that's been struggling, Lord, why do you have me here? I am praying that purpose has been defined, that they can see their purpose, Lord. We're called to be separate, but we're called to go back in because the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. So fill us afresh with your love, God. Anoint us afresh, God. Surround us, God, with your love. Holy Spirit, move in this place, God. I personally thank you for your love. Thank you for how you loved me when I was a mess. Thank you that you didn't allow, allow anyone to uproot me prematurely. And we're all celebrating that, Lord. For those of us that received second and third and fourth and fifth chances, we thank you for that, Lord. So teach us how to be your representative in the earth within which we live. Forgive us for messing up, for condemning. Because the scripture is clear, you didn't send your son in John 3, 17 to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Use us, God, as vessels. In your name we pray and thank you. Amen. Amen. Come on, stand to your feet this morning.